0: of setting the tone and in the art retrospective the show, we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren, Salutations, and Daniel. Hey! I don't know why it took so long on that. <laughs> today we're discussing Season 7, Episode 12, which titled Surrender. The episode aired on February 1st, 2001. Lauren was going on that week 21 years ago.
1: Uh, this will be a testament to my abilities if I can read this all today with the day I've had. Uh, notorious Mexican drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman escapes from a maximum security prison in Mexico. Mexican authorities claim up to 78 people played a role in escape and El Chapo himself would not be recaptured until 2014.
0: Smuggled out in a laundry bin.
1: Wow. Uh, the bane of every teacher who assigns research papers, Wikipedia, the free open source encyclopedia, is launched. Wow, we have listeners younger than Wikipedia. That's really upsetting. <laughs> um, oh God. Or cool. I don't know which one. Uh, just to make our millennial listeners feel especially old, over on the Disney Channel, their hit show Lizzie McGuire premieres, starring Hilary Duff as the titular character.
2: Lauren, I, this is your wheelhouse, wasn't I, it?
1: I loved Lizzie McGuire. I, so I watched much. a fair
2: bit of Lizzie McGuire myself.
1: Lizzie McGuire was really good. Um, at Super Bowl thirty-five, the Baltimore Ravens trounce the New York Giants thirty-four to seven ray lewis is named mvp over the break save the last dance a teen drama starring julia Stiles, debuted and held the box office crown for two weeks this week though love is in the air as the wedding planner a romantic comedy starring jennifer lopez and matthew mcconaughey debuts and takes the top spot and independent women by destiny's child holds the number one spot on the music charts for its 11th and final week daniel what else was on
2: Oh boy, we got a whole heap to get into here. Uh, so at eight p.m., friends with the episode, the one where Rosita dies. Then at it li- it lists eight thirty, but technically it was eight forty because uh Saturday Night Live uh has a special episode airing uh in the eight forty to nine o'clock block, primetime extra one. Uh, so, in an effort to combat the massive ratings that Survivor was getting over on CBS on Thursday nights, um, which I didn't even consider that that might be playing a part in why we're seeing the viewing numbers decreasing mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, reality fucking TV, gang, mm-hmm. is, is taking its foothold. It's taking its its uh, plague As, foothold on these uh, monoculture.
1: Especially on CBS. Yeah, especially you had on Survivor CBS. right into Big Brother, if I recall right. correctly. And, I
0: thought, I thought, and then Amazing Race was in there, too. I don't
1: remember there, if Amazing Race was... It, it,
2: it all starts with Survivor, and then it just blows... and it, it gets more and more progressively bloated until probably, what, 2010-ish is when the, the, the bubble finally burst on the reality TV thing. I don't I know, mean,
1: but Sur- Survivor's still going strong, and I love it. See, I don't think
0: it ever burst. I think it just moved over to TLC and Discovery. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, but that... that
2: it starts with Survivor, and then like almost every channel drifts into reality TV of some flavor at some point. Um, but I thought this was interesting that they turned to their like stalwart program, uh, Saturday Night Live, that's you know been part of their lineup for you know decades, uh, to try to try to reclaim some of that ground that they were losing to Survivor. Um, so they they gave Friends a forty-minute time slot, so they gave Friends a full forty minutes. And then they had SNL produce uh, two, so that'll be this Thursday and I believe next Thursday, they will produce two special 20-minute Thursday night episodes to try to reclaim some of that audience that they were losing to Survivor. Uh, it ultimately proved to be unsuccessful, and Survivor continued to grow and continues to be a you know blight on our culture.
1: Uh, speaking of day. it being a blight on our culture, the next season, because they do like two or three seasons every year now, is September 21st, 2022. I'm ready. Let's go.
0: Great, and Great. I don't want to seem like it's I'm like super elitist about uh, reality television because Lauren and I watch Deadliest Catch and we love that shit. Just
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's what flavor of reality TV. It's yeah. like, do you like the com- competition ones? Do you like stuff like Deadliest Catch? There's Everybody has the their brand of trash, <laughs> right?
2: Exactly. Everybody has their their brand of trash. I can remember, you know, probably around this time ish, 2000, 2001, watching a fair amount of Real World and mm. uh, being very into that. So like, it's. So, yeah, so I guess to say that Survivor started it is kind of disingenuous. It was probably more Real World that, that really kicked all that off. But it, it Survivor is when it really penetrated into the monoculture. It wasn't just isolated to cable.
1: Yeah. I, I remember because I was so young when Real World first was starting, uh, I was so confused at the idea that there was no competition aspect to it. I was like, they just live in a house.
2: Yep, they just live in a That's house it. and drink and then eventually fuck each other and uh, get mad and throw things and... It's great. Does anybody remember this is a completely total fucking tangent, but like does anybody remember the Real World horror movie?
1: No. no. There was
2: it's really bad. There was a um around probably maybe around this time, maybe a little bit after like 2002, 3-ish maybe. Uh there was a um they it was presented as a real world like an, a a new season of Real World was starting, but it was actually a fictionalized horror movie. And, oh, I'm here for it. Yeah, and I cannot remember the details of it, like where it took place and stuff. But, like, it's – I just remember it being really – it's probably on YouTube. We should look I, and see.
1: Also, speaking of real world, one more thing and then we can move on with this. Um, what In my first big girl job, actually, there was uh, sh- uh, um, filming for the Chicago real world down the street from where I work. So I would often be walking to or from work and they would be out filming. And I am sure my stubby little legs are on at (laughs) least a couple frames of that season of Real World. Lauren is owed Um,
2: at least 12 cents worth of residuals from the real world.
1: I just remember being incredibly self-conscious because I'd see them out and I was just like, fuck, every time. So yeah, just because they just, you know, they're in frame on the street. So as, as long as your face isn't in it and you're not like... A part of the shot, they're not going to bug you about it, but I just remember constantly seeing them out filming and seeing them do construction on the house and everything. So yeah, my feet might be in an episode of Real World. Weird fucking thing (laughs) to say.
2: Okay, well. What else was on? That detour into uh, reality TV land aside, at 9pm, Will and Grace with the episode Crazy in Love, and at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with The Proposal, part two of two. This week's episode had 26.5 million viewers tuning in, directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala, doing his eighth out of 12. Last time we saw him was The Last Rites in uh, early season six. And written by Jack Orman, doing his 15th out of 28. Previous ones of his from this season include The Dance We Do, Sand and Water, and Homecoming, and No Chen and No Cleo this week.
0: This was, I'm going to mention this at the end of the episode, but I'm just thinking about it now. This would have been the perfect episode for, for Cleo to be to be in
2: but why is that it specifically
0: because of, because of all of her stuff about getting on benton about oh sure better, yeah 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 being black for i guess for, a, black, that, yes. for yeah for yeah like of a better term but yeah i guess yeah i guess that's you're exactly right what he's trying to do that's exactly what he gets recruited to do <laughs> yet anyway, again cleo getting fucking
2: sidelined from... in her own storylines
0: but our Previously On is brought to us by Benton, and we open with the lesbians. Uh, carrie's in the shower.
1: We do! Yes, we do. You're right.
0: Deep in thought, when Kim comes in to put in a fresh towel for her on the sink. Aw. Have they moved in, de- have they moved in together yet? No.
1: <laughs> Very funny joke for the gay population of our audience.
0: Something, something you hauls something, something lesbians. I don't know. You make your own jokes. Uh, but Lauren had a comment here.
1: Uh, I want to know just... Little applaud for Laura Inez's performance here as she's taking her shower. At first, we don't know if she's at Kim's house, but you see her kind of deep in thought about something, and she does this little thing where she's got this tiny smile and she kind of touches her lips a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's just a very nice touch. And then Kim comes in and she's all of a sudden very nervous and flustered, so it's like you can tell she's kind of recollecting the evening. Which mm-hmm. is just, it's, it's just so good, such a nice little touch. Yeah.
0: And then after the shower, Carrie comes into the kitchen wearing Kim's blouse, which looks adorable. Is it it too long? Yeah, knowing that Kim's makes it extra adorable. Uh, And she has... Carrie does... You can tell clearly that Carrie has never done anything remotely like (laughs) this. At least with a woman, because she has no idea how to act. And they do the cutest little head nuzzle thing goodbye because Carrie's feeling very awkward. And uh, then the thing that will become become a problem Mm. uh carrie asks if this can just stay between the two of them for now because remember (sighs) folks we are in the year 2001 and being out in the workplace is a much dodgier proposition oh we have to keep that in mind this entire time Uh, and then we're gonna go straight to our first audio clip here so speaking of benton uh, Romano grabs Benton from a procedure that he's about to scrub in on and has a little proposition for him.
3: Open a GI-50 and a TA-55 on the resection. No need, Peter, I gave it to Henderson. What? Hey, just if the CAT scan shows free air. Come on, let's go. Where are we going? I got a chore for you. You know what, I'm a little busy. Yeah, so am I. Let's go. So, Peter, how is this uh, pretty in situation working out for you? Could be a lot better. Really? What's the problem? Where are we going? Are you uh, dissatisfied in some way?
2: besides being grossly underpaid?
3: Ah, well, would a $10,000 year raise and a limited benefit package help? What? Okay, let's make it 20000 but that's my final offer, and you'll have to take on some administrative responsibilities. You're serious? Yeah, yeah. Look, you've been, uh, you've been doing your penance, you've been working hard, displaying dedication and an appropriate amount of groveling. I'd have to be a complete sadist if I didn't ease up eventually. What do I have to do? A little of this, a little of that. It won't take you more than a few hours a month. What's in it for you? All right, fine, forget it. Go back to surgery. Hey, I'm no, just asking. Look, you want the bumper, don't you? Sure. So we have a deal? Yeah. Okay. let's go. This way, please. Sorry for the delay, everybody. Dr. Benton had to finish a complicated pancreatic duodenectomy on a gunshot wound to the abdomen. Come on in, Peter, don't be shy. Come on, come on. Ok, now, as you are all aware, we at the county level are very concerned about the declining numbers of minority medical school students and faculty physicians, not only here in Chicago, but nationwide. The medical school is committed to addressing this issue. And as part of that commitment, I am appointing a director of diversity for the Medical Center, Dr Peter Benton. No, Dr Benton's bio and resume can be found in your handout materials. So okay. he's all yours. Uh, Dr. Benton, is your appointment the direct result of the Trib's investigative report about the declining numbers of African Americans being admitted to medical school?
4: I, uh, uh, well,
3: I mean, you know, it, it could be a part of it. How can you ensure minority representation at the medical school in this post-affirmative action era?
2: <laughs> oh boy! How much did Lauren hate those camera flashes?
0: I <laughs> think we're getting the audio. You should not really have to
1: look at them.
2: <laughs> uh, just as I was watching, that, like that was when I texted you immediately. I was like, uh, heads up, like. <laughs>
1: We we need to start, when you say stuff like that, you need to say, when Benton enters the conference room, or we need to put in context warning, because it's great for me to know something's going to be flashy. Yeah. But if I, no, I just realized, but I was like, but if I don't know when, it's just like, neat, that happened.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but
1: no, that was, that was, we've had much worse, but that was just like, eh. <laughs> Not yeah. great. Also, I, it probably made me feel uh, mentally the way Benton felt emotionally when he walked into that room, just eh. Mm-hmm.
2: Immediately caught off guard.
0: Just what the fuck is going on?
1: Or, as we say in this house, wet.
2: <laughs> I love Romano's uh, handshake and then drag in one movement. Yes. Like, <laughs> come with me.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, it's
1: it's very good between the two of them. So I, I do have to ask, how do, how do we feel about this appointment?
0: I mean... I like it. I just wish it, Romano hadn't ambushed him with it. Yeah. I, like, yeah. He he's
2: like he said. I have to have a minority in this job. Like it, you can't have just another bald white guy in that job.
1: Yeah, I wish like like you guys said. I wish that if Benton had been, you know, because it wouldn't be Romano if this is how this had happened. But if Benton had at least been like, hey, or had been offered the position with the full knowledge that this is what he was getting into, it could have been a great storyline. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he
0: conver- could have had a great conversation. A well, great conversation with Cleo about it because her entire character is just. <laughs> Teach, being Benton's teacher right? Yeah, yeah. in that regard. Yeah, So I, I think it's... Yeah, I, that's a really big missed opportunity to have Cleo involved in this one. To
2: yeah. not
1: have her involved. Yeah,
2: yeah. Cleo, Cleo should definitely be involved. And also, too, like I feel like, A, if she were around, because obviously she's not right now, but and also, B, if she were still her same character that she was back in season one, uh, I think there's a really interesting opportunity to interject um, Chen into this as well, of, like if if, it, if she yeah. were the same character she was in season one hyper competitive and hyper like always wanting to like impress and wanting to be the the best like i think i feel like there's an interesting opportunity for her to kind of compete with benton on this of like i- w- no i wanted that job i wanted to be the person in charge of that mm-hmm. you know but of course that character has changed a lot over the last six seasons and also you know she's on maternity leave but
1: why why am i blanking on um C.C.H. Pounder's character's Hicks. name. Hicks. What This would have been a great thing for Hicks, too. If Hicks was still mm-hmm. around, if Hicks had been a full character, this could have been great to see her do it, too.
2: And and it was a good opportunity to interject, you know, like they do sometimes interject mentions of characters who are mm-hmm. long gone. It would have been a perfect opportunity for Ramona to say, well, yeah, ever since Hicks left, we've we've been completely kind of, you know, <laughs> monotone in the leadership department of surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like there could have been an opportunity to like kind of Uh, cycle the cannon a little bit yeah yeah
1: with that being said we come in with our bangs as benton does not answer those questions and um we go over to carter is checking on someone's status walking down the hallway and we realize he's actually visiting chase so that's that's exciting i guess i was about to say that's exciting but i don't know if that's exciting that's development um and clearly, it's been a while since he's been there, as the doctor has changed, and he had no idea. Uh, we we see Chase can can speak again, so that's that's progress. Yeah. And Carter sits down with Chase and tries to get him to drink a meal shake because we had learned that he hasn't really been eating, and they're trying to figure out if they like if they need a court order to force feed him or what to do. And uh, he knocks the shake out of Carter's hands and tells him to go away. Because Carter gives some bullshit excuses on why he hasn't been around.
2: Yeah, Chase was actually um, more verbal than I remembered him. Like I, my memories of I, I, I remembered that we were gonna revisit Chase at some point, and it was gonna be kind of a like, you know, sobering kind of effect on Carter. But like I, in my memories of this, Chase is in a lot worse shape than he's in actually in this episode. Like he's.
0: He's in rough shape. Like, like grunts instead of fully formed words or something like that. Yeah,
2: that was sort of the the um, the memory that I had of it was that Chase was fully, like, you know, dependent on medical help, like, all the time. Like, couldn't do anything for himself. And, like, he's able to at least talk, you know, with some difficulty, but, like, it was just – it was a, actually kind of a, a nice thing to see of, like, oh, okay, well, he's at least a little bit more, you mm-hmm. know, kind of functional than I remember Recovered. Him being. yeah but so yeah revisiting the, the chase uh, thing it's I mean again though like this is one of those things that like this is a character who you could have easily forgotten about and never mentioned again but they bothered to go back and like dig up this you know character who we haven't really talked about at all in almost three full seasons so you know kudos to them for for going there with it 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 really does add a nice layer to uh, to Carter's experience throughout this episode uh, so much more to come on Chase, but for now we go over to uh, two old men arguing and uh, have after having beaten each other up as they were fighting over a woman. Uh, and our two old guys here, Walter and Earl. Uh, Earl is played by actor Tom Poston, who appeared in stuff like Christmas with the Cranks, uh, the TV series New Heart, as well as Mark and Mindy. Uh, he's making his first of two appearances. Uh, he has 107 credits to his name and passed away in 2007. Uh, And the uh, much or maybe much more famous of the two, Walter here is played by actor Tom Bosley, who appeared in stuff like The Backup Plan, Yours, Mine and Ours and a recurring role on the TV series Happy Days. And he is also making his first of two appearances, 157 credits to his name, uh, which I believe makes him the high watermark uh, actor for this episode. And he passed away in 2010. Uh, And he's somebody who I see like on social media and stuff when actors are reminiscing about their time on er they sometimes will point to him as being somebody they were glad they got to hang out with mm. like uh-huh. people really enjoyed having tom bosley on the show it seems
0: well mark's back in the er uh carrie asks him how things are going and he messes up benton's pronouns a bunch
1: it it leads to a kind of funny who's on first scenario though because he keeps saying benton and then she and carrie's like wait who the fuck are we talking about
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's very quick like it's it's a uh, very rapid fire from mark
1: Mm -hmm. and then luca needs some films from radiology they seem to have lost them uh his patient has a hand injury i can't remember exactly what it was but won't say what happened he doesn't speak english they find out chuny already tried to get answers from him uh carrie steps in and tries instead and turns out they need to do an osha call because this seems like a workplace injury but he may be um here, I hate to say illegally, because humans aren't illegal. Undocumented. Thank you, that was the word I was looking for. He may be undocumented, so he doesn't want to get in trouble if his workplace is reported. Which is why he's probably not saying what happened. Which is why Carrie has Luca find out what cab company dropped him off, so they can kind of retrace their steps.
2: Carrie riding high off the fucking you know, (laughs) sparkle of her first gay experience is just like, I'm gonna fix everything! And break all of it.
1: Because let me tell you, that's what all us gays do is just lemon to fix everything. I do that because of emotional trauma, not because I'm queer. Thank you
0: very much. Uh, There's layers to that. Uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. <laughs> let's go to our next audio clip here. Romano and Benson are arguing about the new position.
3: Gave you a promotion. What are you crying about? You should have talked it over with me first. I did talk to you about it. I said a little extra money for added responsibility. I don't like being used. Everyone is used, Peter. It's what makes the world go round. The only reason you gave me that job is because I'm black well you're discounting your finely honed public relations skills i don't want it sure you do nope i don't well you should have thought of that before your press conference look surprise yes i need a minority to be the director of diversity but it's not going to require any real work it's going to get you that much closer to a full-time faculty position so please get over yourself you know what you can find somebody else to be a little poster boy well i i the truth is i don't have anyone else which is a perfect example of why the diversity issue needs your immediate attention you don't even believe that actually i do but look, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's on your shoulders now. Excuse me, I have a meeting. Time's up, Peter. Did I misread the schedule? What schedule? You cancelled six elective cases in the past week. They weren't cancelled, they were rescheduled. Which means cancelled?
0: One had a fever, another had a family emergency.
3: All of them happen to be the more complex procedures. If that's true, it's simple coincidence, I assure you.
2: Look... I've been completely slammed by this Jayco review. Nothing seems to be up to standard at the moment.
3: I have every confidence that you'll get them up to standard, but I also need an associate chief of surgery who actually performs surgery. I do. Uh, I will, gladly, once I get out from under all of this. No, today. You're covering the ER.
1: Robert, they're coming on Monday. You only have to
3: go down there if they're paid.
1: I really... This is one of those moments for Romano. I like how he goes, no, I do actually think it's an issue, but fuck you. We need it anyway. Like, right. I
2: did the same thing. I caught. I, I. was like, that's one of those like creak the door open sort of moments of like, there is a human being in there somewhere. He's buried deep inside, but he's in there.
1: And he's like, I love and uh, And he's also just like, and besides, I don't have anyone else. Like, it needs to be you. Let's get this fucking done.
2: Right, and not to not to do the thing we always do where we uh, interview somebody and then we don't put the don't put the interview out for months and we just tease you with little bits of it, but like, I I I was remind or I was I was comforted by the fact that Paul McCrane was also annoyed a little bit that you didn't get more of the humanity of Romano. <laughs> like, even even Paul McCrane thought he was a bit of an overbearing asshole sometimes and would have liked a little bit more of the humanness of Romano, but. But as he said, you know, like, that's not what the character's for. You know, that's not what the the purpose of the character is in the show's hierarchy. It's a really good talk with him, and I'm I'm very excited for all uh, of you to hear it.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Romano's still an asshole, but Paul McCrane is incredibly eloquent and. generous human being with his time.
0: Yes. Patreon.com slash S podcast to get two two week early access to all of our <laughs> <laughs> cast and crew interviews
1: for this interview coming out eight months from now. No no that's <laughs> like month
2: after next actually because oh, the backlog's two. getting a little thin. Uh but <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> hook us up, people. Yeah. Scott yeah, Scott Gun Grimes guy.
2: specifically, if I can sick the audience on anybody, sick, let's let's all target Scott Grimes collectively because I feel like we can twist that arm.
1: But, yeah, and then how do we feel about this little chat with Lizzie, too?
0: She's gun-shy. It's understandable. Yeah. The poor Lizzie.
2: This
1: it's
0: episode. unfortunate, but it's understandable. But
2: it does lead to a really great moment at the end of the episode, so I'm ha- I'm happy yeah. for that. But, like, this whole episode is just like, oh, you just want to hug her. Like, she just needs a hug. Uh But, uh, uh you know, who does not need a hug. Well, maybe does need a hug, but nobody should no, Nobody no, should give him one. No. Is uh, our older gentleman, Earl, here getting checked out by uh, – Ab- No, actually, this is, uh, I believe, this is uh, the other one. This is Walter, I think.
1: No, I think this is Earl. I think Walter's the other one. No,
2: Walter's Tom Bosley, and this is Tom Bosley. Okay. So,
1: okay. I, I yeah. defer to your expertise. I know my
2: old people. I know Tom Bosley.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: Daniel, being a grumpy old man himself, knows his grumpy old men. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, defer,
1: I defer to your expertise. But in any
0: event, he's getting checked out by
2: Abby. Uh, he asks if she's married since since she's quote so cute. And he uh, says he has some complaints about burning when he pees and thinks it might be an STI. Mentions having having had one once before when he was stationed in Korea. Ugh. and when Abby's like, so did you get this from sex? And he's like, well, I didn't get it from dancing. Oh boy. Now I have the image of Tom Bosley having sex in my head. And so do all of you. If I have to share in this horror, so do you. Uh,
0: Bury yeah. myself in my phone for a minute. I
2: feel like this is, I feel like this is a very, I didn't ask Jen about this, but I do feel like this is a very realistic uh, depiction and, and uh, situation that she has found herself in.
1: I could have sworn Earl was before Wal- like I I I am aware of which old man is which old man. I could have sworn Earl was checked out before Walter, so I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to your memories better than mine. It's
2: mostly the line read the well. I didn't get yeah. it from dancing. That was a Tom Bosley line, is what I is what I know it as. So
1: okay, but I I defer to your judgment on this one.
2: In any event, we go from there to uh, trauma being rolled in, being handled by Mark and Abby. A uh, 15-year-old suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and his friend claims they were playing Russian roulette, and has uh, he has a smell of alcohol on him. Uh, and this is uh, Lizzie comes in to consult on this and makes kind of a weird call based on uh, the injuries. Uh, and then Mark also like uh, goes into the other trauma room and just fucking uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it.
0: Yeah. So the friend is also brought in behind him, but was significantly. Less grave injuries, uh Carrie's running this trauma, and Mark comes in to question the guy and but Lauren, whose films are those um very emphatic
1: gotta gotta do it
0: exactly. what would your Thursday mornings be without Lauren's dulcet tones? Or... i
1: might I might not give any fucks to the rest of any given episode, but I'm at least gonna bring the whose films are those
0: all right, uh but yeah, Mark is just laying into this other guy, which. I
1: don't know, how to feel. No, I think not the time. Yeah. yeah, not
0: the time. But like I, the spirit is the spirit of it. I agree with. I, but not the right time. Maybe I
2: took the uh, emotional outbursts of Mark this episode to be another um, another side effect of what mm-hmm. he's dealing that with with, with the with absolutely. the pronouns thing too.
0: Like absolutely, yeah. yeah. Which Mark does mix up the pronouns again a couple times while yelling at the
1: friend. Super confusing. Carrie and the friend.
0: Yeah
2: also like uh which again i'm sure is necessary uh for you know infection control and everything but like it is really hard to take mark seriously this whole episode with his little hat like with his little like like surgical not it's not quite a surgical cap but it's just like the little like cloth thing like sitting on his head with the little uh tassel bits dangling off the back of it like it's just hard to take him serious
1: mm-hmm Uh, then from there, Mark asks Lizzie how the rest of the trauma went. The 15-year-old died, unfortunately. And Mark's like, well, you did the best you could. Tries to, you know, cheer her up on it and everything. And then, um, Lizzie gets ready to head back upstairs. She walks by Carrie and Kim chatting. And they're, you know, warm and giggling and having an in-depth conversation. And Carrie immediately clams up, uh... When Lizzie walks by, switching it immediately to professional talk about a psych patient, whatever. Um, and then Carrie asks Lizzie how Mark has been doing and tells her about the lapsing of, and, you know, mixing of pronouns. And Lizzie was like, oh, I didn't notice. Maybe he's just tired. Um, and Carter pops in to start work, uh, runs by Carrie because she wanted to see him before he starts his shift and she can't outright dismiss him for the Vicodin use, but she says to give uh, to give her his sobriety chip, he is starting over from day one, another 90 days, another 90 meetings that need to be documented, and he is back to his original limitations of not prescribing or administering controlled substances.
0: And we uh, go over to Walter, who's the, Walter's the creepy one, because uh, he's, Also flirting with Abby and asked for a sponge bath, which I love Abby so much. She just, she goes to call Malik and he's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Oh, Malik. (laughs) And Lauren had this quote on here.
1: Uh, Yeah. So he says, oh, you know, my, my first wife was a spinster. She didn't get married till 32 and feisty gals like you always take a little longer. And I was like, I'm going to punch you, old man. Like, just...
0: (laughs) Cause you're a feisty gal. That's why you're gonna punch him.
1: That's ex- I'm I'm 30 and I'm still not married. So clearly I'm gonna be a spinster.
0: And yes, you, totally discounting the fact fe- the last 10 years <laughs> we spent together.
1: <laughs> it's fine. It's
0: fine. Anyway, um, that turns out they were both fighting over a woman, uh, Victoria. And Abby asked if he also has had the burning during urination. Hmm
2: we go from there to carrie working with a guy complaining of a prolonged erection uh says that he took some cocaine and uh carrie basically asks if he's tried masturbating which he's to which he replies no i'm a christian (laughs) Uh, and then she says well guess we'll have to drain it and he immediately asks to go to the men's room uh and this is one of the funnier like one-off patients that mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere that we've had in a while of like mm-hmm. this kid who like like if you're keeping score at home if you're making the flow chart at home cocaine okay masturbating not and his junk is covered with like one of those giant emesis basins <laughs> like not not the little tiny kidney shaped ones but the big ones that like
1: <laughs> the big plastic <laughs> yes. tubs for sponge baths. big
2: plastic tub and it's just oh uh. It's an excellent visual, and I really wish there was more of it. Like, but it's just this one little patient, and then that's it. Or this one little scene. This episode,
1: they're... this episode is just dicks for days.
2: Alternate dicks title old old for the episode: <laughs> Dicks for Days. Two old men, dicks,
1: kid dicks, with dicks, the dicks, 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 dicks. kid with the prolonged direction. Like, just I can't get away from all the penises.
2: Uh, all right. Well, <clears throat> on that note, uh, Carrie overhears Malucci, Luca, and Halle talking about a gay woman needing transfusions. And uh the use or lack thereof of her uterus. Uh and just it, it's this is the like one bit of stylized cinematography in this episode that I, I was a fan of with Carrie. Like this this bit I like. There's a bit later on in the episode that I wasn't so much a fan of, but like this one like Because it it really reminded me of um, you know, horrible one to one comparison, but like it did sort of remind me of when Jeannie knows she's positive mm-hmm. but isn't out at work yet like that kind of paranoia that sort of sets in like mm-hmm. it was just this very paranoid sort of uh exchange for carrie that she can only have with herself and uh it was just a really really strong bit of work from uh, laura Inez. Uh we also find out that a bunch of med school applications came down for her review from benton and she has frank uh hi frank haven't seen you in a while uh stash them in the lounge
0: and the OSHA guy called back uh, someone from INS do we do does anyone actually know if INS was actually like a less severe organization than the ICE
2: uh mm-hmm. i mean just by virtue did, just by virtue of being 20 years ago i would say probably just because our our methods haven't gotten better in 20 years like yeah. but i'm sure it was also it was terrible for the time i'm sure
0: yeah um Luca yells at her for making a call about it. And Frank, of course, is just over there complaining about the immigrants.
1: Who's paying for this guy? Shut up, Frank. Yeah, I
2: love that that's her immediate reaction to shut up, Frank. Like, I just, I don't want to hear it. Uh, Yeah. Yep.
1: And then we go to Abby and Carter talking about her creepy old men patients. And it turns out both of them have chlamydia. Great. And in other news, he tells her that he told Weaver about the Vicodin, and she expresses how proud she is. Great, cool, excellent. Um. Then we go to Mark, working with a gentleman and his wife, and he assumes the cardiologist wants to do the stress test as outpatient, so he's, like, sending them home, Say hey, make an appointment with them, blah, blah, blah. Wife gets pissed and asserts that, that they want a second opinion, and... Mark goes way too hard on them about the potential for the husband's death if he does not stop eating junk food and needs to get exercise. And piece of shit.
0: Yeah. Again, you could tell the person needs to quit smoking and drinking and Mm -hmm. and start exercising. But again, I I, I chalk, but
2: just not in that way. I I chalk (laughs) all a lot of that up to you know what he's dealing with, you know, with his the Ab- side effects. He may not necessarily be in control of these things.
1: Absolutely. I figured that all kind of went without saying, but you're right, we should actually say that cuz we're a recap podcast. My bad. Uh, yeah. But
2: uh and the husband here who is credited simply as large man, um never gets a name, just just large man. Uh, he is played by actor Walter Olkowitz, uh, who was apparently a veteran of the Twin Peaks, uh, universe. He appeared in, uh, the original series, the reboot, the movie, uh, which, uh, thanks 30 2010 just turned 30 a week or two ago. Uh, so, uh, big, big in the Twin Peaks first, this guy, uh, he was also in the movie 1941 and the client and unfortunately did pass away in 2021. So just last year. Uh, But we go from there to uh, Rescue is bringing in multiple victims from a basement fire. So Carter is uh, running around trying to get everything ready uh, for that. you like mass
0: casualties.
2: Oh, boy.
1: These notes, I'm so sorry.
2: Crunchy, crunchy makeup work coming up in a few. Uh, Carrie tells Mark that he should be off uh, and maybe just do triage if he insists on staying. Uh, as the ambulances pull up, we got lots of Spanish-speaking patients uh, being wheeled out. Turns out that it was an illegal sweatshop and that they had the windows barred shut when OSHA got there to check it out. The place went up in flames. And you can see Carrie starting to put the pieces together as they're getting everybody in. And, oh, boy.
0: Yeah. Marcus triaging patients and directing traffic. A gentleman from earlier was yelling at one of the patients that has been brought in. Carrie's hunch was right they they get hurt at the this illegal sweatshop a woman got shocked pulling metal off of her daughter cuz there was likely a downed power line touching it or something something electrical
1: Ugh. not good
0: yeah there's an exit point on her foot where the current left it ah uh. is what they don't really like show anything no, necessarily no. with that, but like, I don't know exactly. How it's one of those before. ones
2: where it's like, you don't even need to show just, just well. Uh, just tell. Yeah. Well-written dialogue can do all it's theater of the mind. will
0: fill in all the gaps yeah. there. We have an exit wound on the foot. That's <laughs> all you need to know. <laughs> um, Lauren has a comment.
1: Uh, where This was something I actually saw from one of our listener responses and I stole it a little bit early. Where are all the goddamn translators for these patients? It can't be all down to Chuni to speak Spanish.
0: Hey, Weaver speaks so, somewhat Spanish. Yeah,
2: some some level, conversational level, but maybe not
0: fluent. Here's where, And here's where Daniel uh, was saying about the crunchy makeup. Mm. Uh, another gentleman comes in with very, very severe burns. He, no, no. <laughs> they think someone kicked over a space heater when fleeing the shop, and that's what started the fire, because there's a bunch of, like... Paint thinner and stuff. Yeah, paint thinner or some other type of... There's a bunch of flammable, flammable chemicals.
1: Uh, and then we see Lizzie is avoiding taking people up to surgery if she can help it. Like she's like, "Oh, we'll go do an echo on this guy. He probably doesn't need surgery. It's probably just." Blah, 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 blah. She just doesn't want to do surgery. Um, Malucci is helping translate for the shocked mom and her daughter that was also brought in. Very sweet Malucci moment again. Let's have more of this, please. Yeah, he
2: also uh, he also gets a little uh, bit of Spanish in there too. Like yeah. Shout out to Malucci. Yeah.
1: Great. Uh, Carter and Benton are trying to wrestle their patient down still because he will not cooperate for treatment and Benton tells Carter to push some Versed. Carter says he can't, goes to get someone else to do it and Carrie backs him up and asks Malucci to please go push the drugs to which Benton is like, this is bullshit. You should be able to to do this by now. Carrie's a monster whatever. Good, Um, good
2: boy Carter though. Like for for sticking to his, uh, terms.
1: Yep. Uh, the shocked woman, the electrocuted woman, is not stabilizing. She's still a mess. Lizzie is doing the echo on this gentleman's aorta, and it turns out that he does need surgery. Babcock is still sassing her. Like, oh, we didn't even need to do that. You could have fucking told it just by looking at him that he needed surgery. Um, And she's going to scrub in to repair the aorta. Cool, 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 cool. Hmm. Poor, mm. poor, poor Lizzie. Lizzie's having a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Benton has taken their combative patient up to the OR and he says, if you can't treat a patient, you shouldn't be in the room, which, well, yeah, but he also doesn't have the whole story. Nor does
2: Carter jump to tell him the whole story either.
0: Because it's not the a, time. Yeah, because that's not the time. Yeah, there's a lot of there's just a lot of talking that happens when it's not the time this episode. Uh, yeah, Benton says he's going to go talk to Weaver about it, but because it's it's everyone's problem. Mm -hmm. which if if carter can't do what he needs to do
1: yeah because carter's like no it's my problem i'll talk to her about it and benton's like no it's everybody's problem yeah
0: so
2: we go from there uh luca and Chuni are working with the burned gentleman and uh this is for my money maybe the best Chuni scene ever like this is some really excellent stuff from chuny in this scene,
0: in terms of, like raw drama, yeah, yeah, like
2: she just really gets a chance to shine here, and I'm mad that I forgot about this and like didn't bring it up in her interview. But, um, so she's translating for this gentleman, uh, who he's asking. He knows he's well aware that his situation is dire. He knows probably he's gonna die, so he, he wants to know when. Luca says that it'll be in about a week, probably from infection. Uh, he wants them to try to get a hold of his wife in Guatemala. Uh, because he has five hundred and twenty dollars in a little box by his bed, and he wants to get it to her, and tell have them tell her what happened to him, and tell her that he loves her, and it's just like, and it's all told through a series of very tight shots, like exceedingly tight shots on uh Chuni's face, Luca's face, and the patient's face, and like it is just an excellent, excellent little scene here that, like, does not really get talked about enough and is just, like, really, really strong work from everybody involved.
0: Um, yeah. 92% surface area burns is what they yeah. say. It's it's Yikes. real
2: bad. Real, real bad. Uh, the woman with the power line is still down. We uh, get some very interesting camera work uh, shot down and around her feet looking up at uh, Dave and Carrie while they're working. Uh, another patient is brought in with blunt head trauma and a blown pupil. So everybody goes off to deal with that. Uh, And as Carrie steps out into the hallway, we get some interesting uh, cinematography here where we get this, uh, her look, Carrie looking at all the carnage around her in kind of slow motion. And it's not quite the same slow-mo filter that they used to use on like Carol sometimes that they did early on Mm -hmm. in the series this is a different sort of thing where it feels like kind of like they're showing off a little bit. Somebody learned a new camera trick and they really wanted to find an excuse to use it.
0: It, it looks like that, like a scene that you'd have in like a teen movie from around this time. Or that song, that song goes like,
1: or
2: or like a music video or something where it's, it's just very overly stylized. And I, I wasn't a fan. This
1: is, this is how my seizures look. Oh, my auras, this is a great way to explain it. It's just like one thing's moving at a normal speed and everything else is all like meh. Yeah.
0: The frame rate of life has messed up. Yep, that's exactly Weesh.
2: it. But she does uh, does make eye contact during all this with Luca, which, you know, I get, I, I, you know, gimmicky uh, cinematography aside, I am a big fan. I'm always a big fan of any time we get Luca and Carrie working whether it be together or in kind of an, an adversarial capacity, which is which, you know, brings up the the question of like, where do you fall on this? Like, is it, are you team Luca with this or team Carrie? Like, did I I know kind of where I stand with it, just on kind of a, a standard like no snitching policy, of like yeah. Carrie just shouldn't have gotten involved because it wasn't her fucking business. But I I don't know.
1: No, I. I I I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know if there is one. I think there. I well well let 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 me finish. I'm just I saying. Say I there's no way she could have foreseen that this would have been the, in a vacuum, not knowing what consequences would be. I if I were Carrie, I would have made the same call that hey, there's a dangerous workplace. Shit's not gonna get improved if it's not ratted on. She doesn't know. Like, I don't know. I.
0: Yeah, how could she possibly have foreseen something like this?
1: I, I would have snitched. But yeah,
0: but best case scenario, like,
2: let's say they don't start a fire and everybody dies. Best case scenario, all those people are getting deported anyway. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a, I don't know, I guess from a, just a...
0: a but it could be a human trafficking ring or sure, it could be sure, something else. So, the,
1: it's... And unless the people yeah. who are, yes, I understand... Um, undocumented workers need work and they'll take it where they can get it, given how hard it is with our system for them to be able to legally find work. But at the same time, these people who take advantage of undocumented workers Mm -hmm. and have these shitty working conditions and everything, they're not going to fucking fix it. They're not going to get penalized unless there are whistleblowers. True,
2: true.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a shitty catch-22. It is, yeah. Where... You know, there there is no clean answer, I think. But it's more, you're right, it, the the awful downside, even if there isn't all this carnage, is there is the potential deportation of people who are trying to build a home here and have every right to. Right. But, again, I go back to the shitty people who are taking advantage of this need, need their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Because if there's no penalty for doing this shit, it's just going to keep happening.
0: Yeah. Uh, So we go up to the OR floor. Lizzie is in surgery on the gentleman's aorta, and she's struggling mightily again. uh, They won't be able to get a bypass machine in for 30 minutes, so they'll need to cross-clamp his aorta, which could potentially cut off blood to his spinal cord. So the theoretical decision that she has to make is paralyze him or kill him.
1: Potentially paralyze him. Potentially
0: paralyze Or kill him.
1: Um, But then we see Marcus headed home... And he mixes up some pronouns with Carter again before he leaves. And Benton is yelling at Carrie about Carter's limitations. And he's like, he's been clean for eight months. This is fucking ridiculous. And Carrie's just kind of like, has he? Mm. Walks up and just leaves him to it. And uh, back to Lizzie, who is drowning in this surgery, both literally and metaphorically speaking, um, trying to get more blood transfusion just because the guy's bleeding out and she can't control it fast enough. Uh, asks for a resident even if romano isn't available and we see actually this whole time romano is watching in the observation room as she is losing her shit um she takes some breaths finally centers herself realizing backup and the bypass machine are not coming and jumps back in with a new plan as inspirational music swells in the background
0: how Corday got her groove back. Yeah.
2: I, I think I actually did see a review of this episode that was basically something to that effect of like how Lizzie got her groove back or something like that. But yeah, uh, I, and I really, again, creaking that door open just a little bit to get a little bit of the Romano humanity. Like this is how he, you know, chose to like I, I, maybe tough love, I guess is the approach of like, just let her sort her shit out on her own and remind herself how good she is and like not mm-hmm. have somebody bail her out. Like, it's just, yeah. you know It's good
0: little bits of character work
1: Because his other option was running in there Being an asshole to her again And her not getting that confidence back
0: right. okay, Let's go to our next audio clip here uh, Carter is in the Benton is, Carter is in, is in, in the, the, Benton. the Benton Carter is in the lounge with Benton
4: Boy Days like today You look down at your watch and suddenly your shift is over What are those? Med school applications. Oh, yeah? Where are you applying to? Why the two separate stacks? Interviews, no interviews. You have a special uh, secret formula there? GPA times competitive factor plus MCAT scores. Over 25, you get an interview. You don't read the letters of recommendation? After the interview. Poor kids I don't know if I would have made it in if I had to interview with you how'd you get on the committee I'm busy Carter did you talk to Weaver yep it was nothing and it was a slip not even a slip I, don't know. I threw him up
0: keep telling yourself that Carter
2: Is he mad at him because he slipped up, or is he mad at him because he didn't tell him?
0: I think he's mad because he didn't tell him. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because he didn't come to him and say, hey, I'm still struggling. And he thought that after everything they'd gone through that they at least had that. Yeah.
2: Kudos to Eric LaSalle for being able to fall so seamlessly back into, like, early, like, what, season two or three Benton. So, like, because that was a different version of Benton there. That was the much more robotic, much more, like, unfeeling, uninterested, detached Benton from the early days. That, like, it was kind of cool to see him, like, put those shoes back on and, like, slip back into that old character. Oh, Carter. uh. But we we go up to, uh, we see Lizzie checking in on her patient Uh, everything looks good, including his sensation. Uh, And Romano bursts in and is like, what was so emergent? And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, explains the whole situation to him. You know, obviously he knows what the deal is. And this was kind of his own way of pushing her through the anxiety. And uh, I kind of feel like on a like low key level, I might, this might be like a Romano MVP episode. Like he might be one of the strongest threads in this whole episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. He's
2: really, really good this this
0: episode In in very subtle, subtle ways He's a master from behind the scenes Exactly Getting everyone to where they need to be Whether they like it or not Uh, Let's go to our last audio clip here though Uh, There are some long pauses in this one So do not adjust your podcasting device Everything is fine Uh, Carter's visiting Chase after work
4: It's a good thing they didn't frisk me It's chocolate Go away. There's a reason I didn't come to see you, Chase. I thought about coming, but I didn't. And I didn't because I was afraid. And I was afraid because I didn't want to. It. When I got stabbed last year at work, a friend of mine got killed. And I um ended up addicted to painkillers. And it caught up to me. And I started to um, shoot morphine, <laughs> Demerol and fentanyl and, and whatever else I could get my hands on. And I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't gotten busted, but I did. And I went to rehab. But I wasn't like any of those people. I mean, I got into this because of an injury, because of circumstance, because of a near-death experience. And that, <clears throat> anyway, it wasn't me. I mean, it was me, but it, it wasn't, Anyway, I did the program. I pretended that I bought into it. I did everything that I was supposed to do. Except. Believe that I had anything to do with what had happened and then? I almost relapsed. Or I guess I, I guess I did relapse. Anyway, I didn't come to see you chase. Because I didn't want to admit to the fact that. I was just like you. The truth is, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about getting high. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning. And it's the last thing I think about when I go to bed at night. And I think about it all day. I'm a drug addict. French
1: fries. Uh, first off about fucking time, Carter.
2: <laughs> Better late than never, I suppose. He's incredibly
0: self aware.
1: Yeah.
2: He I mean, it's a again, kudos to uh to Noah Wiley there. I mean, that's a, a an expertly uh portrayed and, and performed Two and a half minutes there of of Carter's entire kind of uh, self actualization with this whole process of like he goes through all the various you know denial and bargaining and like all this stuff and like he he goes through all of his kind of thought processes over the last better part of a year and uh, really sums up kind of where Carter's at on his journey in the moment very well and it's very and it and it's so it doesn't come off as a line read it comes off incredibly well acted and like you you feel everything that carter's feeling in that moment and like i'm just mm-hmm. i'm I'm very here for the you know i, I know mm-hmm. i get i know i get a lot of shit for giving noah wiley shit sometimes for like overdoing it but i don't think this is a, an example of that i think this is an example where he played it like perfectly on pitch and perfectly uh, exactly what the moment needed. He gave it exactly mm. what it needed here, and and fucking the yeah. the guy playing Chase too, fucking with the the, the perfectly timed and perfectly uh, nailed uh, zinger at the end there. Which you need that line. You need that line to to know that like Carter, this is the this is maybe Carter's rock bottom, and he's gonna start working up from here, hopefully. And so at, for that reason, because you know this gets into my next point because like if I I wish this was the end of the episode because I'm so I'm so (laughs) kind of like annoyed by what comes after this that like I wish this was the end of the episode and the reason it's not the end of the episode is because you have to have this line from Chase at the end to put a put a a happy note on things and, and let us know we're headed in a positive direction and the only way to punctuate that um Uh, Successfully to be an end of an episode type of thing, is there would have had to have been some little musical cue from Martin Mm -hmm. there. And I feel like with that line from Chase, followed immediately by some kind of musical cue, too much, too much, and a little too after school, especially, and a little too schmaltzy, and it just would have killed the moment. And so I get why they didn't choose to make this the end of the episode but I just wish they did because everything that so, comes after this is so stupid. Daniel,
1: you know, what's so funny. I've been racking my brain since you told me before we <laughs> recorded that we had differing opinions on something. Yeah. And I was like, but, but wait, I was like, I didn't put a single opinion in this whole fucking thing. And then I got here and I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, uh, do you want me to take let's, this? Let's out? start uh, wrapping it up. Okay, so um, the social worker asked Carrie about the mother that had passed away because they're trying to find relatives, hopefully locally, for the little girl to stay with before they have to put her in foster placement. Um, cool. They don't have any information. We'll see how that goes. And then Carrie is distraught. She heads out via the ambulance bay. Would have been fine to end, end the episode right here, too. Just to have an yep. ambulance bay walk Please out, like end it did, here. But they had cool. to use an extra, like, minute... Daniel, we can have differing opinions, and that's okay. This is just how we know I'm a raging lesbian, Uh. raging bisexual. But still, they they start doing one of their uh, licensed songs here. I wish I had gotten the title because I actually very much like the song. Daniel apparently does not, and that's fine. It's schmaltzy. It's schmaltzy as hell, but I like it. It it hit my it hit my uh, hit your inner lesbian. Hit my inner lesbian just right. Mm. But um, and she's about to. She goes all the way home. And is about to unlock her apartment and just be done for the day on an awful day. But instead there is a long shot of her heading to Kim's. And Kim opening the door. And Daniel can't handle this. He is vomiting into his microphone and the face is absolutely repulsive where it froze.
0: (laughs) Where Lauren and I were fist pumping going, yeah! Yeah,
1: get it! Um, (laughs) And I think they're precious babies. This was apparently too much schmaltz for Daniel. I can have hating... I can have hating children. Daniel can have hating the sequence. will no, be even. Uh, you heard it
0: here first, folks. Daniel hates lesbians.
2: It's got nothing to do- Which is
1: why he's with, co-hosting with us.
2: It's got nothing to do with le- them being lesbians. It's got nothing to do- Like, it's a perfectly sweet moment, and I'm glad Carrie Weaver's having her gay awakening. But this, this sequence is masturbatory. Like, this it's, is just- <laughs>
1: <laughs> this. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's straight out of a soap opera- but as somebody who grew up watching shit like Degrassi, and I know everybody yells at me because I say that wrong, but I am here Degrassi? for this. Degrassi? I, I guess. I don't know. Everybody, when I said Degrassi last time, everybody yelled at me about it. But um, I am here for this. This absolutely was the exact amount of sugar-coated bullshit I needed with the week I've been having. I I was, I was, it worked. I was, I was a mark for this, to use <sighs> wrestling parlance. I was, I was a mark
2: it just it's too much it's too like this is just i i have so, to i have to i have to imagine that the episode was just light and they needed to squeeze an extra like 90 seconds they, out of it
1: they definitely stretch it but so do i know you're saying i shouldn't make this song your ringtone whenever you call me well, which never happens cuz we only text i was going to say
2: i mean but. yeah if you want to I'll, cuz i'll never have to hear it cuz i'm the one calling you so like it's
1: <laughs> I'll have I'll have Jen hack your phone. And I know
2: me. and I know I'm biased because I'm I have been so far Mr. Anti license music. Like I just am, mm-hmm. I, I bitch and moan every time they do the licensed music thing. And yes, that is part of it. But like at least with every other instance we've gotten of it, I could at least make the argument that it was justified in some way and that there was like a purpose behind it. And like Can I this this is just not. This is just like they wrote the, the, the writing for this scene was gay woman is sad. And like that's, that was exactly that it. was what was written in the script for this.
1: <laughs> Can I tell you, I did have a moment of panic though, because I like as always, I don't remember what happens with the storyline on minor um, go throughs. I remember the big parts, sure. it. But I was like, I was like, because those windows are open in the top, which a is horrifying. Like to have your front door windows just like like that in Chicago. Uh. I I would hate for people to just be able to peek in my windows like that. That's the first thing. Second thing is um. I just, I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, Kim's going to be having a drink with somebody else and Carrie's going to misinterpret it or like something like that. Like Kim's going to have a friend over and Carrie's going to think that she's seeing someone else. Like, I don't know why that's where my brain went with the the, the lesbian is sad moment, but that's just like... Uh. That's where my brain went, and then it was just that, and it was like, okay, at least just this. But yes, they definitely stretched it.
0: Yeah, I'm falling into the camp of I love the spirit of it. I wish it was shorter. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yes, that is the thing. It's if you want to do it, fine, but cut 30 seconds out of this bad boy. Like it's too long.
0: Yeah. but I give this one an eight out of ten. Like it's, it was fine. Yeah. Like I mean, I give it an eight out, and I say, oh yeah, yeah, so it's fine. No, it's it's definitely an above average episode. It's definitely has a lot of strong parts. Just kind of gets dragged down by the end, in my opinion. But like, where the pieces continue to move together. <laughs>
1: you know what? I'm I'm reading ahead on listener responses. And I'm like, yes, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. <laughs> I wish
0: the, the I wish the thing with Corday had been maybe drawn out over two episodes instead of one. Mm-hmm. Like, have her struggle like a little bit more. Yeah. with it. But uh, that's minor gripes. That's a minor gripe. Yeah. There wasn't anything. There wasn't anything in that says like, "Yes, fuck yes, this is an all-time classic." Like he had a pretty, pretty decent mass cash. Yeah. which we haven't had, except for we haven't had since the premiere. Except
2: for maybe uh, Romano. The, the, what I would say though is that I think it might be uh, setting aside anything involving Romano and Lucy setting aside anything involving Romano and Lucy, this might be my favorite Romano episode to date. Yeah. Agreed. Like a lot of good stuff from him.
1: I think this is probably a seven and a half for me. Like it's, it's fine. Like Lizzie said, it hits all the, all the beats to at least make it a decent episode for us, but it just, there was nothing stellar about it that I was like, Oh (laughs) my God, this is great.
0: Just a twinge of Frank racism thrown in there for good measure.
2: (laughs) Just to remind you, he's there uh Just we 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 always make the argument that this show does an excellent job of making the argument for us that uh the Netflix model is the way to go of like 13 episodes a season of like all killer no filler where but Another another great argument that they're making with this episode is that not every episode has to be a set episode length. Like you <laughs> could mm-hmm. you can you could just have an episode sometimes that's 41 minutes instead of 44 and it's fine. Like you don't need 3 minutes of sad lesbian at the end to like really punctuate your your mm-hmm. point. You could just have a 41 minute episode and everything's fine.
0: But You can grace the advertisers with a little more. Right? Time
2: I would have gladly watched like four Toyota ads if it meant that I didn't have to watch <laughs> the sad Carrie Weaver lesbian montage at the end.
0: Uh, <sighs> anyway, what do the listeners have to say about a
1: Oh, I get to swear. Um Huzzah! At, oh my God, I'm so sorry. At C. Lagri29. Uh, the last scene between Carter and his cousin is one of my favorites and I absolutely love that Carter surrenders and admits that he's a drug addict just after meeting Benton and seeing how disappointed in him he is Carter still values his opinion more than anyone else's now for this next oh, yeah. one should i do the emoji because <laughs> so, i know what the emojis yes,
2: are yes yes you do uh and but and, okay. uh, i also forgot to say uh, when we were talking about the chase thing that uh that does mark the last time we will ever see chase uh yeah. chase is never going to be seen again after this so uh
1: bye chase bye chase uh so you want me to do the noise with i you? mean
2: sure this is how how performative do you want to get with these emojis
1: I try my best for our listeners. I just know you're the one who has to edit this. So, Grace B says, "Where the fuck are the mother fucking interpreters?" Okay, I
2: changed my mind. I just want you to, I just want you to stylize. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right, we're gonna do that again. Pretend that didn't happen. Grace B says, "Where the fuck are the mother fucking interpreters? Does Chuni fucking have to do fucking everything around here? Fuck." I just thank you. I really needed to say that fuck today. Uh, 15 brownie points each to Malucci and Carrie for at least fucking trying. I was all ready to talk about how heart-stopping Laura Innes' solo scene in the shower was. Stop laughing. I don't mean it like that. Did you see the look of wonder on her face? Do you know how hard it is to arrest an audience's attention without dialogue all by yourself? Fucking go- Fucking go, Laura Innes. Hell yes. Anyway, I was super stoked about that performance, but then I realized what episode we were on. Language access is not fucking optional, people. Mm. Mm. Preach. And at the full-time dad says, y'all know what I'm here for. Thank you, Aaron. The cheesiest, yet one of the most memorable uses of licensed music in the show's run. Silver Lining, Amanda Ghost. I hear the door slam and look the other way. I don't remember how the song actually went so you just get that little musical note and Carrie slams her door and looks the other way. It's also the return of the overly dramatic slow-mo shots, this time featuring Carrie and Luca looking at her like, "Good job, Carrie. This is on you." Overall, it's a good vehicle to see Carrie surrender to love, Carter surrender to admitting he's an addict and move to the show and move the show to the into the next ramp-up involving Carrie and Legaspi, the bishop and Peter's affirmative action awakening. Boom. Thanks for letting me swear, guys.
0: Because you never could before.
1: No, but I love it when they, get, when they give me an excuse This to. is a Christian
0: motherfucking podcast, <laughs> bitch. Fick. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our fucking episode for today. Thank you, all, thank you all very much for listening. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash and For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry. Two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free four monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and whose fix are those, where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. We also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com Setting Tone Podcast, and we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel and Folks, find you at...
2: They they know where to find me, all the usual places. Uh, refresh my memory. Who was it in Lauren's orbit who early on when we were doing this that told us we cursed too much? There was somebody... I think it, it might was, have been Mary. No, it was somebody in your... No, it, was, it was like oh, your mom oh, or yeah, something. It was, it was one of your, one of your mom's It was
1: my mom's best friend. One of my mom's <laughs> best friends from, uh, from high school. Uh, yep. Uh, Fuck shit, tits. Best. I don't think she's a regular <laughs> Shout wrestler, out! Shout yes, out to absolutely. her.
2: Shout out to that lady. Absolutely. <laughs> this Lauren. fuck's for you.
0: <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> 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 and Lauren, where can, where can folks fucking find you?
1: Uh, I think by this ta- the time that this is released, they can find me on my fucking Twitter at Lobob92345 panicking about my new job. Yay! More details to come in the October Lounge.
0: Yes. Subscribe to Patreon. Do it. Um, you can also you can find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's J M three R. And thanks again, to everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a fucking great week.